If you have your Bible, today we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 5 in verse number 21. And so I'll be doing a little bit of reading today, but if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And uh, I, one of the shows that I like to watch on television is I, I like the Discovery Channel. And not that long ago on the Discovery Channel, they, they talked about the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. And the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, it is the world's largest reef. It is 1,250 miles long. That is like going from South Carolina all the way out to Texas. So it's a huge barrier reef. At some parts of it, it's over 400 feet thick. Now, it's so big that it, it really affects, it affects the waves and the wind whenever it's coming into shore. And so what it causes, it causes the water to be rather calm as you're moving into the shoreline. And it also uh, causes it to be very difficult for ships to be able to navigate that area. And as I, as I thought about the Great Barrier Reef, I, I began to think, you know, I believe that for many people, there is a Great Barrier Reef that stands between them and God. And we have all of these obstacles and these barriers that are between us and the Lord. And then, and then we wonder sometimes in our own lives, you know, why is it that it doesn't feel like that I'm experiencing the presence of God in my life? You know, why is it that I feel like that, that I'm alone and that whenever I call out to God that it, it seems like that God is silent? And I really believe that a large reason why is because there are barriers that stand between us and God. And so because of those barriers, what happens is oftentimes we miss out on experiencing the winds and the waves of God's blessings coming towards us. And, and I really believe that if we're going to begin to, to experience the presence of God and to see His power and to know His power, there are some barriers in our own lives that need to come down. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see some of those barriers that, that stand between us and Jesus. And we're going to discover that if we're going to see his power move in our lives, those barriers need to be removed. Now in the text we're looking at today, we're going to see two people, a guy named Jairus and a lady who had a health issue, who had barriers that stood between them and Jesus. And so the question was, well, what, what were they going to do in order to be able to overcome those barriers so that they could experience a touch and the presence of God in their lives? And so it's my hope that as we look at some of the barriers that we might have in our lives that stand between us and Jesus, that we will make a decision today that we're going to begin to work to see those barriers come down so that we can experience the waves and the winds of God's blessings in our lives. And so that's why today we're going to look in Mark chapter 5, in verse number 21. And as we look into this section of Scripture, we're going to see some of the great barriers in our lives that can keep Jesus at bay. Now, now what are some barriers that are in our lives that can keep Jesus at bay? And, and the first barrier that I see for many of us is oftentimes we have personal barriers. You know, personal things that we are dealing with that keep us away from God's presence. Now, I'm going to read you in verses 21 through 34, so it's kind of lengthy, so hang in there with me. But this gives us kind of the background of the story that's what's going on here. It says, When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. And one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. 
Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. And so Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. And a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. And she had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she actually became worse. And having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. And instantly her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. And at once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, Who touched me? Now, on the surface, I I believe that most people will say that they would like to know Jesus. I believe on the surface, most people would say, I would like to experience the presence and the peace and the power of God in my life. Now, if that's true, and if that's something you really want to experience in your life, then I want you to know that there more than likely are some barriers in your life that need to come down before you're going to experience the hand of God on your life. And I want you to know the same thing's true for me. Now you might say, well, what are some of the barriers that could actually stand between me and God? And I, I think one of those barriers, when we talk about personal barriers, barriers I think one of them is the, the barrier of pride and the barrier of our position in life. The beginning of our text tells us that there was a man named Jairus who approached Jesus. And if you look into your text, it gives us, it gives us sort of his position in the community. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you all to help me out here. What was Jairus, according to our text? He was a synagogue official. Now, what does that mean? All right, here's, a, here's what a synagogue official was. A synagogue official was a guy who basically prepared the meeting house, the synagogue, for services. He was a guy who made sure that everything ran appropriately during the service. That was his position. To hold that position you had to be held in pretty high esteem in the community. Now, the religious leaders of the day were not fans of Jesus. And so more than likely, whenever Jesus' ministry began, Jairus would not have been excited about Jesus. Now, how come? Well, because of who Jesus was. Uh, Jesus was a guy who was going around, and, and he was teaching things that were contrary to what many of the religious leaders were teaching. He was teaching people that that a a relationship with God is not rooted in rules and regulations. It is rooted in faith. Uh, They were upset at Jesus because Jesus was insinuating that he was the chosen one. He was the Messiah. Now here's what really ticked them off. When you get down to it, this is what made them mad. They were upset at Jesus because he was more popular than they were. And so it it was a barrier of pride that Jairus and many people had with Jesus. And you know what? There are some of us who have the same kinds of barriers that stand between us and the Lord. You know, I've talked to so many people, and they say, you know, I, I, I like the whole idea of the Christian faith, but, you know, I'm an educated person, and there is no way you can expect me to believe that the stuff that's written about in this book is true. I'm a smart person. There are other people who who feel like they're very self-sufficient in life. 
And they've done a great job of making a life for themselves. And so they look at themselves and say, you know, I, I don't see why you were telling me I need Jesus. I've been able to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't need God. I've got myself. And I believe that that's, uh, there's a good chance that is probably where Jairus was until something happened in his life that was beyond his control. And the Bible says that his daughter was at death's door. And whenever his daughter was at death's door, he was willing to lay aside his barrier of position and pride because his daughter needed help and he was willing to give anything a shot. And so he came to Jesus and basically said, Jesus, can you help me? And it was then that he experienced the touch of God. Now I believe this, I believe that God at times will allow life-pressing and crushing moments to come our way in order to help us let go and to remove the barrier of position and pride so that we will call out the name of Jesus for help. Now that's what happened to Jairus. Jairus, he came to a place where he couldn't do anything and he removed, he laid aside his barrier of position so that he could experience possibly the power of God. Same thing happened to another person in our story. And I'm sure you're probably familiar with the story. There was a, a lady, and she had had an issue of hemorrhaging for 12 years. For 12 years. Now, in her position, it would have been easy for her to allow that barrier to stand between her and Jesus. You see, in those days, if you had an issue of blood, you were considered to be a person that was unclean. And so you weren't supposed to get around anybody. And so it could have been easy for her to say, I can't go to Jesus. I, I have this problem. And I know people who are like that say, I can't go to Jesus. You know, there's no way that Jesus could ever deal with somebody like me. And, you know, before I ever go to Jesus with the, with the issue of forgiveness in my life, there's some stuff I've got to get straightened out in my life first of all. And guys, what, what happens is we allow that, that position, that barrier of position to keep us from the Lord. You know, some of you might be thinking or some people might be thinking, you know, I, I can't approach Jesus in my life. You know, it's just, it's, just, I mean, it's just a privilege for me to be around all these good people right here at Village Church. Now, let me tell you about all the good people here at Village Church. Y'all, it's overrated. You know, we, we are, we, y'all are the greatest people I know, but let me tell you, we are all in the same boat. We are all broken and sinful people. The difference is, is that many of us in this room today, we recognize that we don't stand a chance without Jesus. And so many of us have already come to the Lord and say, Lord, we have a barrier that stands between us and you. God, remove it so that we might experience your power and your presence. Now, some of us have another personal barrier, and that is we allow things to interrupt us in life. You know, I know people who've, who've committed their life to Christ and they love the Lord, but as time has passed, what has happened is they've, they've got, involved in, got involved in life and they begin to make money and then we think, you know, we, we, those things become our priority in life and we allow those things to take precedence over the Lord and say, well, I, I can't let go of this to reach out to God because if I let go of this, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose everything that I have. Or we, we allow relationships that we've had that are, that are ungodly to come in between us and the Lord. And we say, if I let go of that relationship, then I'm going to be alone. And I'm going to be sad. And I, I need that relationship. 
But that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Guys, let me tell you something. When we follow Jesus, we don't lose everything. When we follow Jesus, we gain everything. And yet many times those barriers keep us from seeing that. You know, one of my, one of my favorite preacher stories that I like to tell is about a, a lady named Florence Chadwick. She was a swimmer, a distance swimmer. And in 1952, she was attempting to become the first woman ever to swim from Catalina Island in California to the coast of California. It's a 21-mile swim. When she got in the water, it was numbingly cold, and she began her swim. Well, a fog set in, and she had no idea where she was. She was just swimming. She was looking around. She had some boats, support boats that were near her. She couldn't even see the support boats until they pulled up right on her. She swam for 15 hours in that cold water and in the fog. Finally, she, just, she didn't see anything. She said, get me out of here. They said, well, just swim a little bit longer. Let's, let's see what will happen. She said, no, just get me out of the water. So they got her out of the water. When they got her out of the water, they discovered she was one mile away from shore. When they interviewed her, she said, the reason why I quit swimming, it wasn't because of the cold water. It wasn't because I was tired. She said, it was because I couldn't see my goal. She said it was the fog. You know, the same thing is true for many of us. You know, many of us in, in life... We, we, don't, we don't give up. We don't give up because we're tired or because we're numb. We end up giving up because we've lost sight of our goal. Now, for believers, what is our goal? Our, our goal is to live a life for Jesus. But sometimes we allow our, our barrier of position to cause us to lose sight. Jairus and this woman in our text, they did not lose sight of the goal, which was to be touched by Jesus. And because of that, their lives were forever changed. Now, there's some barriers that can stand between us and Jesus, and one of them is personal barriers. Another barrier that oftentimes keeps Jesus at bay is us having a barrier of a, is a fickle faith. You know, a faith that's not consistent. Now, now, look with me in verses 35 through 40. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. He didn't let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the leader's house, and when he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly, he went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Now think about this, this girl's dead. Jesus said, why are you crying? And he said, the child's not dead, but asleep. And they started laughing at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Now Jairus approached Jesus in good faith. Jesus, help. And, G and, and Jairus' friends were like, go to Jesus, it's a good idea. But then the girl died. And when the girl died, the friends came to Jairus and they said, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now, now, what if Jairus had followed the directions of his friends? Why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter's dead. What would he have done? He would have just gone home, and he would have buried his daughter. And it would have been all over. It would have been it. Now, now Jairus' friends, they were on board when the daughter was sick. But you know what? They, 
but they really didn't have a belief that Jesus could really do something powerful. You know, I think sometimes we, we kind of get caught up in that. We have this fickle faith. We have a desire to see God move, but when it really comes down to it, we're like, yeah, I don't really think he can do anything. I really don't think things can change. You know, I'd like to believe it, but it's just sort of like, I, I hope it happens, but I don't think it will. Guys, let me tell you something. You cannot approach Jesus with that kind of faith and expect to see the power of God. When Jesus, Jesus says, when you come to me, you come to me in belief, believing that I have power. You know, have, having the kind of faith that the friends had here, it's not going to get you anywhere. You can't just approach Jesus and then say, yeah, I hope he does something. You have to approach him in belief. And there, there are way too many people who approach Jesus just like this. We're willing to approach him with some of the struggles that we have, but we don't let it all go. Because we think, yeah, I just really don't think he's really going to be able to bring deliverance. I look at Jairus, and I think, thank God Jairus didn't listen to his friends. Why bother the teacher? Your daughter's dead. Jairus ignored his friends, and because he did, his life and his daughter's life was changed. Reminds me of another story. Whenever Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem, he was traveling through Jericho, and there was a man, a blind man named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus found out Jesus was coming through town. The streets were lined with people waiting to see Jesus. And Bartimaeus, as a blind man, makes his way down there, thinking Jesus is coming by. This is my chance. And he begins to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's screaming it out. You know what his friends told him to do? You know what they said? Shut up, Bartimaeus. That's what they said. Keep your mouth shut. Why? They're embarrassed. We got a raving lunatic over here. It's Jesus coming through town. Be quiet. If he'd listened to his friends, Bartimaeus would have never been touched. But Bartimaeus continued to call out because of his belief in Jesus, and his life was changed. That's why I think it's interesting in our text, in verse number 36, the friends are saying, don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus says in verse number 36, Jairus, just believe. God does not call you to believe in your friends. If you believe in your friends, you're going to be disappointed. God calls for you to believe in him. And if we place our faith in the words of Jesus, then we will see the power of Jesus. Whenever Jesus went into Jairus' house, it says there were people there who were mourning. They were wailing. Now, it's kind of weird because we see they're wailing and they laugh later. They had professional mourners in this day. You actually, if it, in order to have people uh, who were crying at your funeral, you would pay people to come cry at your funeral. This was actually a profession. And so these people came in, and they were, they were wailing and crying, creating a commotion. And Jesus says, why are you wailing? Why are you creating a commotion? This girl is not dead. She's only sleeping. And they begin to laugh at Jesus. You know what Jesus did when they began to laugh at him? He said, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Why? Because they don't believe. You know, whenever Jesus moves, Jesus moves where there is belief. It's like whenever you, whenever you start a fire, where, where's the best place to start a fire? It's, it's in, in a place that's dry, right? You don't start a fire in a place that's wet because it's not going to light. Okay, Jesus, he doesn't want any dampness around him. He wants a place where a fire can be lit, he said, Jairus, do you believe? I believe. Get the people out of here who don't believe because we are going to light a fire today. Now, guys, that, that, that is, that's common sense for us. 
You know, when you light a fire, you light it in a dry place. Whenever you ask somebody to marry you, you ask somebody to marry you who likes you, right? Who loves you. You do that because you want to see a movement. You want to see success. Jesus' requirement for movement from him is belief. We're told in Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. Now some of us wonder, where's God? Why have I not experienced the hand of God, the movement of God in my life? And I believe oftentimes it is because we do not have a belief in the word of God or in the power of God or in the ability of God. There's some barriers that stand between us and the Lord. We have personal barriers, barrier of a fickle faith, and also there's a barrier of submission where we lack a willingness oftentimes to submit to the leadership of Jesus. In verses 41 and 42 it says, Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old, and at this they were utterly astounded. Now, oftentimes the thing that stands between us and the Lord is an unwillingness on our part to submit to the leadership of Jesus. And, and I think where we struggle is we struggle with the, the word submit. Now, whenever you're in the church and you see a guy up here talking and he uses the word submit, I think a lot of people automatically think, oh, he's getting ready to start talking about wives submitting to their husbands. Am I kind of right on that? Okay, so we think we, we hear that. And the man, them, you know, them Southern Baptist people, they love to talk about submission. They always want to keep women. They want to keep them beat down. And the media gets a hold of that. Your preacher starts preaching on Ephesians 5. There goes, that, there goes that crazy Baptist preacher again talking about wives submitting to their husband. That's so backward. Now, I want to tell you this. Man, that, that is so, that is, that's, that's so completely untrue. When you talk about submission, and we're talk, in marriage we talk about submission, they always leave out the other part where it talks about husbands are supposed to be willing to die for their wives. We kind of leave that part out. Now, I, I'm totally digressing here, and I've gotten away from our text, but I just have to throw that in there. But the point I'm trying to make is that, that there is such a huge bias about being submissive. And, and you know, that, that is exactly what Jesus calls for people to do with him. Jesus says, you, if you're going to experience my presence and power and leadership, you must submit to me. And naturally, not many of us like submitting. And ultimately, this is what I've discovered about myself. You know why? Because I, I, if I submit to somebody else, I am ultimately, ultimately admitting I am not God. When Jesus says, you're going to experience me, you will submit to my leadership. Now, what happens when I do this? Is he going to beat me to death if I submit to him? No. He's going to lead me. He's going to let me see his power. Yeah, look at Jairus. Jairus submitted to the leadership of Jesus. He invited Jesus into his home. When he brought Jesus into his home, y'all, everything changed. Jesus didn't imprison him. Jesus freed him. Even even Jairus' daughter was submissive to Jesus. Jesus gave a command to the girl. He said, get up. You know what what I noticed what the girl did? The girl did not lie there and say, I'm going to stay dead. I'm not getting up. She didn't do that. What, what did she do? Immediately, she got up and began to walk around. Now, you might say, well, that's stupid. Why in the world would a dead person choose to remain dead and not alive? I can tell you. 
the same reason we do it today. I see people all the time who choose death over life. I see people all the time who make decisions that lead to destruction, lead to the destruction of their family, lead to the destruction of their reputation, lead to the destruction of their lives. We put things into our bodies we know will destroy us, that will not lead to life. And I sit there and say, why would anybody do that? Because for some reason we like to think that we're in charge. We like to think if I make the choices that I'll lead a better and more productive life than under the leadership of Jesus. Guys, when it comes comes down to it, we we are so prideful as people. I'm so prideful as a person. Now there's a, uh, back in 1997, there was a strongman competition in Sydney, Australia. And I've actually seen the video of it. And one of the parts of the competition is this guy, is a huge guy, gets a steel cable and he has a little harness on and they hook it up to a 747 airplane. And the guy sits there and he begins to struggle and he's pulling and that 747 begins to roll. It is unbelievable. He pulls it over a hundred yards, a 747. And I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm thinking, that is impre- I mean, that's impressive. Now, I don't know how you think of that, but I'm thinking, a guy just pulled a 747 a hundred yards. So I'm thinking, that is so impressive. And then I began to think, but you know, you can get a pilot to get in that cockpit And in just a matter of minutes, he can take that plane up 40,000 feet at over 600 miles an hour. And yet there are many of us who are just like that strong man. We sit there and we, we, we strap on a harness and we pull and we struggle through life and we look back and say, look what I, I pulled my life through a hundred yards. I made a living. I did it myself. And the entire time Jesus is sitting there thinking, Man, just get me in the cockpit, and I can make the sucker fly. And yet we are willing to struggle and settle for pulling through life a hundred yards. Are you willing to submit yourself to the leadership of Jesus? Because until you do that, you will not see the power of God. Now, we have some barriers that stand between us and Jesus. We have personal barriers. We have the barriers of faith. We have the barriers of submission. You have those barriers? Any of those barriers you can think of that need to come down? Because if you're going to feel and sense and see this word come true in your life, then you need to begin to chop down those barriers and to let go. See, it is my hope in your life and in my life that we will be a church that doesn't just talk about what Jesus does, but that we will see what Jesus does. And that we'll be a part of what Jesus does in this community and in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our neighbors, in the schools that are in this area. That people will say, those people who are Christians they have been with Jesus. And we can only be with him as these barriers begin to come down in our lives. Now I'd like for us to close a service like this. I'd like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And just each of us to, to just simply take some stock in our own lives and to see what, what, what are the barriers that are in my life that are hindering me 
in my walk with God. Maybe there's some personal things in your life. Could be some pride issues. Could be some things that you know that, that God does not want to be a part of your life, that you are hanging on to them. My challenge for you, my encouragement for you, is to simply let go of those things and say, Jesus, these are things I've been hanging on to. But Lord, today I want to lay, I want to lay these things at your feet. Because God, I want to put myself under your leadership. I want to follow you. Maybe for others of you, there is the issue of faith. It could be that, that you, you, you are hanging on to your, to your own pride and knowledge. And you seem to let those things go and say, Jesus, you know, I, I put more trust in myself than, than I am in you. Jesus, today I want to, I want to let go say today I am believing and trusting that the word of God is true that what your word says is true and I will live by it let me tell you something if you will put God to the test in living by his word you will discover he's faithful and true maybe for others of you you struggle with the whole idea of submission could be you've never submitted your life to Christ before today, why don't you do that? Why don't you submit yourself to him and just simply call out to him today in prayer. You can pray to him and say, Jesus, today I, I, I give my life to you. Jesus, I need you. I, I need forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe you lived, you died, you rose from the grave. Come into my life and save me.